0: Welcome to God's Planning, Contemplative Preachers Contemporary Age. Each week, join the Dominican Friars as they consider all things Catholic.
1: Welcome to God's Planning in this Sunday, Lectio for the second Sunday of Advent. I am Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic, the Director of Vocations for the Dominican Province of St. Joseph here in Washington, D.C. And I'm with Father Gregory Pine and uh, Father Joseph Anthony Cress, Father Gregory from switzerland and father joseph anthony from a little closer just in in virginia so fathers how you doing how are things you first
2: oh it's it's good uh we're (laughs) at the point now (laughs) where uh students have returned to their uh homes and are doing finals remotely so it's kind of a weird place um as a semester but just very thankful that i mean we got through the semester um without really major crisis or anything given the state of the pandemic and whatnot. So uh, I'm just, you know, I, I think I'm hashtag blessed and hashtag grateful <laughs> right now um, to be where we are. And just, yeah, things, things are good here in the Blue Ridge.
1: Wow. It was a good thing my microphone was muted when you said those things. You're darn <laughs> right it is. <laughs> oh, Gregory, how are you? Uh, What's going on? Doing well. Sorry, I'm just bleeding over here like a sheep. Bah. Um,
0: feeling groovy. Uh, it snowed here, uh, so oh. that's nice. Yeah, actually, when I when I rolled up on November first, I was surprised that there wasn't snow on the ground uh, at that point because in my imagination, Switzerland was a place of perpetual snow, like a kind of snow globe with the magic. Um, but I was disappointed. But that disappointment has been what happens when something's removed, removed. Okay. Yeah. That disappointment's now gone. Yep. That's it. So that disappointment is now gone and in its place, I now have all the happy associations with the first snowfall. So uh, I'd say things here are good climatically and then um, everything else is, you know, falling in line as well with uh, I only really have one responsibility, which is to write a big paper and to keep the faith. I guess those are two things, but I think of them as one. So those are, those both seem to be going well.
1: Wonderful. That's so great to hear. <laughs> things are normal, the same in Washington, D.C. Uh, not too much change. So I guess that's kind of how religious life goes is the point is that not a lot changes. So sometimes I feel like when people ask, "How's what's going on with your life? How are things? What's new? Fine. Nothing. Good. Great. So that's where we are. All right. Well, we are going to um, spend some time reading and reflecting on the readings for the second Sunday of Advent, um, as we've as we did last week, and as we did during the Lenten season, um, we will will uh, give our reflections on, on how we see the Lord speaking and revealing Himself to us uh, through through the Word. Um, so we'll begin with this week's Collect uh, as to pray and to lead us into the readings, and then dive right in. So let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty and merciful God. May no earthly undertaking hinder those who set out in haste to meet your Son. But may our learning of heavenly wisdom gain us admittance to his company, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's look at the first reading. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Comfort. Give comfort to my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her service is at an end, her guilt is expiated. Indeed, she has received from the hand of the Lord double for all her sins. A voice cries out, In the desert prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the wasteland a highway for our God. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill shall be made low. The rugged land shall be made a plain. The rough country, a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Go up onto a high mountain, Zion, herald of glad tidings. Cry out at the top of your voice, Jerusalem, herald of good news. Fear not to cry out and say to the cities of Judah, Here is your God, here comes with power the Lord God, who rules by his strong arm. Here is his reward with him, his recompense before him. Like a shepherd, he feeds his flock. In his arms, he gathers the lambs, carrying them in his bosom, and leading the ewes with care. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks
2: be to God.
0: Um, So in reading this, uh, the first thing that kind of struck me, or the first thing that leapt out, or leapt off the page, was this description of how um, the landscape will be transformed with the coming of the Lord, uh, so this comes from Isaiah chapter forty. Last week on Lexia, we talked about how the book of Isaiah is uh, kind of divided into three main parts, and this is the beginning of the second part, which speaks um, perhaps most urgently or most concretely of the coming of the Messiah, um, because it's associated with the exile. And here, it's you know, like we we hear uh, a kind of intimation of the new heavens and the new earth, which will be spoken of in the second reading, but um, At least from my vantage, it sounds kind of bland. So, make straight in the wasteland a highway for our God. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. The rugged land shall be made a plain. The rough country, a broad valley. So here you have this kind of variegated and textured landscape. And what we're promised is that it'll be, like, flat. (laughs) And it'll be boring which I don't know I just I don't get too terribly excited about that so what exactly does that suggest all right here's me bringing my weird experience to bear on this text um, since having been in Switzerland I've gone hiking a few times which is cool in, in almost every sense of cool except that I recently had surgery on my knee and so it's I'm, I'm old tender knee over here and um, if I go downhill a lot my knee just gets devastated so it just yeah it's it's awesome Um, it's like a kind of foretaste of death or maybe a reminder of my mortality, but I just feel like my body's coming to pieces. So you're going up and you're like, this is great. And then you get to the top and you're like, this is beautiful. And then you come down and you're like, I wish I could like have a squirrel suit right now or do some kind of action or adventure sport, which involved me being in this valley in three minutes rather than in three hours. Um, because it takes such a toll on your body. And I think when, when I hear this landscape described, I think of our experience of life as one characterized by deserts and by meandering ways and by valleys and mountains and hills and as it were, all these different kinds of things. But with the coming of the Messiah, all of that begins to take concrete shape around him. All of it centers around his coming. So whereas you might think of your experience as a kind of smattering of random experiences, when he comes... And as he comes, as he becomes more and more so the Lord of each of our lives, all of those experiences, um, they make sense, right? So so you kind of savor this taste for the Messiah that is coming and everything that has come before um, takes on, I suppose, its uh, its proper standing in your life. So when it speaks of the desert and when it speaks of the wasteland and the valleys and the hills and things like that, I think of that as... Yeah, just the um, the experience that we have had of perhaps trial or difficulty, sorrow, uh, devastation, or swollen knees. And at, at times, in the midst of those experiences, they can seem purposeless, they can seem meaningless, they can seem just sad and dark. Uh, but in the Lord's coming, we will begin to look at our life and know why, have a sense for why He permitted what He did, have a sense for why He indicated as He has. Um, and in that, we'll be able to assent or consent more readily to all that has come and all that will come. So I think of um, yeah this, this, this sense in which like the Lord is the key to history, the Lord is the key to salvation history. I think that this is kind of portrayed here for us in, in visible fashion by transformation of the landscape, not only of Israel as it were, but also of our lives and hearts uh, so that they, they take on their proper, or they assume their proper shape in light of the King.
2: Yeah, I'm happy you kind of uh, talked about mountains because I had a very like uh, that. That was what gripped me in this first uh, reading. Is it was it's very uh, mountainous. There's all this talk about whether or not um, the valleys will be filled in and the mountains be made low, but then there's this immediate instruction uh, to to go up the high mountain, right, and be the herald of glad tidings from that high mountain. And that even though uh, when the Lord comes, all will be made level in a real sense, it's still this kind of recognition in our life right now that there are these peaks and valleys and there is this kind of uh, strenuous nature to rise to the top of that high mountain. But I love uh, what, what Isaiah is saying here is, you know, go up to the high mountain, be this herald of glad tidings and cry out at the top of your voice, Jerusalem, herald of good news. Right. There's a, a, this early pronouncement of the gospel, the Evangelion, the good news from on top of this mountain. And actually, just earlier today, I uh, was doing a burial uh, on Monticello Mountain, and it was a really unique experience to be up on top of the mountain and um, having a, a unique experience because the entire family was actually on a Zoom call and on an iphone on a tripod and i was the only one there praying these prayers and the wind was just ripping through everything and having to like scream at the top of my lungs you know uh, our belief and our faith and our confidence that uh, christ has risen from the dead and he through our baptism we are thus participating in his resurrection and we continue to go through that And just having to like kind of really proclaim that with such a strong voice on the top of the mountain, as I looked over top of the Blue Ridge, as I looked over top of the city of Charlottesville was a really unique experience. And then I started uh, praying with these readings today and it all kind of came together that um, when you are on top of that mountain, um, in in many senses you are exposed and you're made vulnerable. Um, to the elements and to the wind and all that can kind of knock you down a peg and there was this real desire to like kind of seek shelter and seek safety safety Um, but when we go on top of that we see from a different perspective we can begin to kind of see from God's perspective but uh, to not let the wind and let the those elements that try to tear us down and force us back into safe, uh, you know, to hiding in a real sense, but to climb on top of that mountain and to be that herald of good news. Um, this is what the encouragement is from that very beginning, because the promise of the God who becomes one with his people is what Isaiah is talking about at this point. So that was a really unique experience. And, and to see um, that kind of portrayed in, uh, in the prophet was, was beautiful.
1: One of the tasks I guess of of the prophets is to is to prophesy, of course, prophesy the coming of our Lord and the good things of the lord or or the sort of to to cast a warning um, for those who have fallen away from the Lord, but another Role, or because of the because of those tasks, another role that that the prophet plays is to call us as he called his contemporaries, but to continue to call us to a sort of self reflection, to take an examination or an examine of our own lives, um, and to see where we sit in relationship to in relationship to God, not as some sort of existential kind of crisis, but in in the true sense of kind of an examination of conscience, an examination of. Where, where am I in my relationship with our Lord? And, uh, I think there are the, the the prophecy that we hear in our first reading today from Isaiah is, is book ended in in kind of surprising ways because as Father Gregory and father um, Joseph Anthony spoke about the this sort of imagery of being on a mountain of being in these huge mountains, being in this sort of grandiose place of as Father Joseph Anthony was saying of, of sort of crying out and announcing our Lord, whether it be preparing for him or you know at a burial or whatever um, but the the book ends of of Isaiah's prophecy today from that 40th chapter are are really interesting. So the first couple words, comfort, give comfort to my people. And then, and then the next verse, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. There's this, um, invitation to, uh, to sort of the tenderness of our Lord to remember that God is father and to remember that he, you know, he loves us tenderly and he, and he cares for us tenderly as a father does. Um, and it's because of that tenderness, because of that unfailing mercy, um, then are we in, in turn able to, to proclaim God and to prepare for his coming because, because of his gentleness and approachability that is all the more evident in the incarnation and then the the prophecy ends with with the with speaking of of the shepherd, which foreshadows the good shepherd who is you know who we who is Christ in the gospel, um, and and the gentleness of the shepherd that he carries us on in his bosom and he he leads us with care. All of this these these bookends to be to the um, to to the prophecy are that are those things that predicate our relationship that are the foundation of our relationship with God but also the foundation of our relationship or our ability to preach God uh, and and to and to uh, pursue him to repent in a penitential season but also to be transformed by his grace and be readied for the incarnation so with that father gregory will take us uh, into our into our second reading from the letter of saint peter
0: from the second letter of saint peter <clears throat> Do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord does not delay his promise as some regard delay, but he is patient with you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a mighty roar, and the elements will be dissolved by fire, and the earth and everything done on it will be found out. Since everything is to be dissolved in this way, what sort of persons ought you to be, conducting yourselves in holiness and devotion, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved in flames and the elements melted by fire? But according to his promise, we await new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you await these things, be eager to be found without spot or blemish before him at peace. The word of the Lord.
2: Thanks be to God. Um, This, there's so much in this reading. um, And I love that we as a uh, in in the seasons of Advent and the really kind of uh, intensely uh, preparatory seasons, Advent and Lent, um, we have such a beautiful unity through all the readings, right? From the first reading to the second reading, to the gospel. And what we have uh, here is just, there. there's this wonderful uh, presentation of our, our God in his interaction with time. And it kind of uh, poses a, a question for us, like how do we interact with time? And are we imposing our understanding of time upon the one who created it, the one who holds it in existence, in uh, here in the second letter of Peter, the, he says the Lord does not delay His promise as some regard delay, but He's patient with you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In that idea of the patience of the Lord, as something that. Uh, it, I, I continually find repeatedly throughout the gospel is that the Lord is patient and kind. And I think from our experience in in this, this human life and this earthly pilgrimage, there are times that we think of patience as inactivity, as being passive. We kind of make those kind of correlations that one who is patient is just passive and waiting for things to happen. But uh, that's not how the Lord interacts. He continues to pursue. And I think the way that the Lord is presented as patient is actually he's presented more as being resilient, and that nothing's going to kind of steer him away from his desire. And his desire is that he does not wish that any should perish, and that all should come to repentance. And I think this is one of those reasons that uh, we find that there's such a thing as Advent penance services, right? Like during this season of preparation, during this season of waiting, that we find that there's still this call to repentance and that that's the Lord's desire in the midst of all of this. So we see his interaction with time in a unique way and how his patience is um, prevails, even though we have a kind of a warped understanding or interaction with that. Now the second part uh, of this gospel that I think is, um, is this call to the, how are we to conduct ourselves? Like in the midst of that, like how are we to conduct ourselves? And you see this kind of uh, juxtaposition that uh, second Peter, the letter encourages person uh, that we are waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, like how, how how can you do both of those at the same time, right? Those those seem somewhat contradictory, um, but I, I it calls to mind one of my favorite lyrics of a song from Mumford and Sons. Uh, I think it's the final song on their second album, is to love with urgency. Uh, and not with haste. It's like there's this area where you can have this urgency and this desire to accomplish the good, and you abandon yourself towards that one goal. But here, uh, when we know that this is the coming of the Lord in the day of God, it's his work. And so we can be waiting for that while at the same time having this kind of urgency in um, allowing ourselves to be caught up with the things of God in our daily lives for whenever he does desire to return and whenever he does desire to accomplish the work that he has begun, that we aren't just passive uh, in kind of presumptuous, but we have abandoned ourselves to that with uh, this wholehearted devotedness.
1: Yeah, I think that that idea that Father Joseph Anthony, you were just talking about that that St. Peter conveys that that urgency, that sort of patience is not um, is not quietism. It's not just sitting waiting for things to happen, but it's it's living with that weight is is an important thing. And Advent does that. Advent brings this to light for us that um, yes, Advent's a preparation for to, to revisit and, and to sort of um, relive the incarnation, Christmas, the first coming of Christ. But it's also uh, a time to prepare for the second coming of Christ. And especially these first two weeks of Advent, focus our attention on that. And um, St. Peter's letter here does this, you know, he introduces the idea of, or not novel, not, you know, not his own idea, but he he introduces to us this week, this idea of the new heavens and the and the new earth that are coming. And I think it's important to reflect on, on what that means, a new heavens and a new earth. Um, Not, not in, you know, we, we might think that why, well, why doesn't God, if, if things are so bad, if people have fallen away over and again, over and again, why doesn't God just start over? Why doesn't he just sort of wipe it all away and then create a whole new kind of creation rather than fixing, healing what is uh, what is what was sort of damaged and hurt by sin. Why send his son to sacrifice? Why just not start over? The important thing to remember here is that God's goal in our lives is not to annihilate. It's not to take out of creation, but to recreate in his love, um, to recreate by his grace, not to destroy what he loves, but to to heal and to transform what he loves, including us including us but also including all of creation this is why the idea of a new heavens and a new earth um, it's not something that will be will be foreign or different in the sense of something that's unnatural but um, but in the the sense of something that's supernatural something that's perfected something in a, a world in which there is no suffering in a world in which every, you know, every tear, as the prophet Isaiah says elsewhere, will be wiped from our eyes. Um, there there's a beauty here and uh and something to hope for here. And uh this this delay, uh this delay in, in the between the first and second comings of of um of Christ is is an important one because it sanctifies each moment of our lives. It makes each moment of our lives an important one to prepare and to be, to be ready uh, to watch for the coming of Christ, um, to, to sort of instill in us that eagerness, as St. Paul writes, to be found without spot or blemish, to, to avail ourselves of his grace, of those incarnational graces, of those Christmas graces, to receive our Lord, to be transformed so as to live in that new heaven and that new earth that, that awaits us and that inevitably will come. I just have one more small thought about time.
0: Uh, I was arrested by the description uh, at the beginning of the reading where it says that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. <clears throat> we have a kind of shadow experience of that when time seems to flow either faster or slower than we would have it flow. <clears throat> so I just got here and I'm writing a big paper and I'm kind of impatient and impetuous. So the goal was like, you know, write the paper in a week and then come home. Um, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the move uh, because, well, for a variety of reasons, because it's a big paper, but also because my uh, my director said, I want you to read for a while. I don't want you to write anything before Easter. And I was like, oh, no. Um, so I've... <laughs> you know, you have these experiences of like trying to read for four hours and 45 minutes before lunch, you know, and it's just like time is just tick, tick, ticking away. And then you find an interesting passage and then it seems to kind of cruise on by. So our experience, the way that we interface with time isn't isn't just straightforward or isn't strictly linear in a way that, um, you know, you kind of might expect from a mathematical equation. Uh, Because, well, time is just a measure of How things change, and sometimes we feel change to be very rapid and sudden, and sometimes we feel like we're just stuck in a rut. But the point is that our experience and our suffering of time is part of the way in which we are purified, ultimately, so that we can be made like God. Uh, For with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. So in the Lord, we won't experience the agony of time either seemingly standing still or time flying by when we wish we could savor it. But this uh, this experience that we have here of our life kind of slipping through our fingers or only being able to possess ourselves from moment to moment and never having a full sense of who we are, that will be called up into the Lord when we will possess ourselves wholly and entirely and perfectly in Him, but possess ourselves as an afterthought to the goodness of possessing Him indeed. So, yeah, I just think that with Advent and expectation, we think a lot about time, and we think a lot about delay, and we think a lot about all these associated concepts. But, but ultimately, the point is to make us yearn
1: for the Lord's timelessness so that we can have a deeper share in that. <laughs> all right, Father Joseph Anthony, take us, take us into the Gospel of Mark.
2: Yeah, Gospel of Mark. So, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. A voice of one crying out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. John the Baptist appeared in the desert, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. People of the whole Judea countryside and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they acknowledged their sins. John was clothed in camel hair, with a leather belt around his waist. He fed on locusts and wild honey, and this is what he proclaimed. One mightier than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop and loosen the thongs of his sandals. I have baptized you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The beginning of the Gospel of Mark, uh, we're at the beginning, we're, we're given uh, a sort of recap in just three quick lines or four quick lines of, of some of the uh, prophecies of the Old Testament prophets. So the, that, behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way, a voice of one crying out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. Mark, in doing this, it's interesting, he sets out for us the sort of context in which the gospel, or the context through which the gospel is to be understood in these first verses of the gospel. Unlike Matthew, who gives us a genealogy, or Luke, who does it in a little bit, unlike John, who gives us a sort of um, celestial genealogy, in the beginning was the word, uh, Mark gives us this this prophecy, and he harkens back to three prophets or three, well, two prophets in the and then the book of Exodus. But the prophet Isaiah, the prophet Malachi, and then the book of Exodus. And in doing so, what Mark is what Mark is trying to signal to us is is who Christ is. Even though he doesn't give us a genealogy either earthly or uh, heavenly, he he still teaches us who Christ is. And what he's teaching us here is that Christ is the new Exodus that Christ is the new one who will lead us out of the desert, um, by straight paths. Um, unlike coming, having to climb down a mountain that like destroys your body. If your father Gregory, uh, this, this new prophet, this new Exodus leads us directly unhindered, um, without, without sort of confusion straight to, to our, um, suffering servant and straight to our Lord. Uh, and in this, um, we should then begin to recognize Christ at work in our lives as the new Exodus, as the one who leads us out from our sins, but in a most accessible way by these straight paths. And this is why the incarnation, why Christ becoming not coming to us as an, as a, as a full grown man of just appearing but as an infant as a child one who is most accessible one who is true man um coming to us so that we can have this sort of direct and and almost unmediated unmediated access or mediated only through the sun only through the god man um who, in turn, will also suffer for us? who is our Lord, who is our Messiah? And the end of the gospel is uh, kind of loops us back to the prophecy of Isaiah that in, in that prophecy from the fortieth chapter of Isaiah, um, Isaiah tells us to go and proclaim on the mountains uh, christ or, or, or God, um, and here we have John the Baptist doing just that, preparing that way. He is that voice um, he is the one proclaiming Christ coming so what Mark is doing here is hearkening back to these to these Old Testament prophecies to sort of get our mind thinking here he is or turning our attention to this is precisely what the prophets have been speaking of in, in all these in all these years coming to this time um, and for us too uh, you know two thousand years later, our sort of senses our our sense of our faith should be pricked to kind of turn our attention, uh, to prepare to receive Christ, but also to prepare to see him and receive his grace and be transformed and healed by him in his incarnation.
0: Um, so I have a thought that's wildly unrelated, but somewhat pertinent. So here we go. Um, it's simply this, that uh, being Christian is not complicated. It is hard, but it's not complicated. So I was uh, just kind of thinking about the way of the Lord and how it is straight. Uh, I was reminded or recalled a story told of uh, Graham Greene, who was a, a novelist of the 20th century, <clears throat> British by birth, Catholic, uh, and writes quite a few novels on Catholic themes, like The Power and the Glory or The Heart of the Matter or The End of the Fair, things like that. Uh, but himself had a very troubled, troubled personal life, um, and he uh, he had a mistress for for many many years, um, and it kept him from the sacraments, but. basically was of the mind that he preferred uh, this affair to the grace of God. And there's a story told that uh, he had the opportunity at one point to visit uh, Monte San Giovanni, to visit Padre Pio, and he brought his mistress with him, you know, as you are wont to do, you being no one. Um, And so uh, they showed up and they heard Padre Pio's Mass, and Padre Pio identified him at the end of Mass, and by way of one of the lay brothers said, you know, Padre Pio would be Happy to speak with you if you'd like to. And Graham Greene said, no. He said no. Why did he say no? He said no because uh, it's later recalled, and this is a paraphrase. I suspect that man, namely Padre Pio, is a saint, and a saint might make me change my life. What's wild is that apparently Graham Greene kept an image of Padre Pio in his wallet, and it was found uh, in his wallet you know, to the, to the day of his death. So it's something that haunted him because the gospel, as it is preached, is stark Uh, it is, yeah, it is difficult, right? But it's not complicated. It's identifiable as something good. And now mind you, there may be certain decisions in your life that are complicated. You know, like whether whether to take out a $30,000 loan so you can start up these, whatever, three associated businesses and yada yada, be like the mogul of food trucks in the Ohio river Valley. I don't know what you're going to do, but, or like if you have a difficult pregnancy and the mother's health is in jeopardy and what constitutes an abortion and what constitutes something that's contrary. you know, like there are difficult decisions to be made and I, they can be complicated and I don't mean to make light of that, but being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty ideal, or you could otherwise say it's not the result of a complication. It's a result of an event, an encounter with a person who imparts to life a new horizon and a decisive direction, which is why the beginning of this gospel is so awesome. It just says, this is about Jesus, and Jesus is God, so saddle up. <laughs> uh, now, in a certain sense, that can sound, yeah, that can sound harsh. You know, that can sound unforgiving. That can seem insensitive to the human condition, but that's not the case, right? The Lord is good. The Lord is tender. The Lord meets you where you are, as every witness speaker has said from you know, time immemorial. Uh, and in this Advent season, the Lord's going to give you grace to respond. You can bank on that. He's going to give you grace to respond. At every moment of every day, he's giving to even the most hardened of sinners, at least the grace sufficient to pray. So being Christian is hard. Yes. And we're praying for you. Gosh, it is hard, but it's not complicated. So let's go.
2: I, I mean i love so much of this um the beginnings of each each one of the four gospels are so important and and father jacob bertrand you you really eliminated that and like how this is setting the tone, and and what does it say and gregory you're just like it's jesus christ is god deal with it it you have to make a decision either that's you believe that or you don't um type of a thing it's really cutting straight to the point as is Kind of typical with uh, you know, Mark's gospel is he, he doesn't waste a lot of time. He just gets to the point on a lot of things. Um, but he does present Christ in the context of a new exodus, right? And I, we have to look at uh, the kind of locations that Mark is, is setting this entire thing. You know, he's in the desert. Where's John the Baptist? Where's this voice th- that is speaking? Well, he's in the desert. And immediately there. then he's baptizing people in the Jordan, which was the edge of with the exodus. That's where the exodus ended is when they crossed the Jordan into the promised land. So he's going right to the edge and showing where the first exodus ended. And he's bringing in this new exodus that will bring in the completion of the redemption of all um, all mankind. And that idea then, getting back to the the first reading and kind of this like all the way through in exactly what uh father Gregory was saying that like it's not really complicated here that the Lord makes straight his paths and like our life tends to be one of meandering wandering around and not really trying to figure out our way as we go and, and trying to make it up as we you know figure it out uh, each day um in I think you know. far too often we we set our hand to the plow and we look back. But when we do that, we end up just zigzagging all over the field, meandering all around. But if we keep our eyes on the Lord, then we know where our destination is. We know where our origin and our destination is. And we can go in a straight line towards that. And that is in a real sense accomplished by our repentance and the forgiveness of our sins. And, and this is what uh, Mark is doing such a beautiful job is showing the beginnings. And then always reminding his auditors, it's not as complicated as we think it is. You know, It's actually much more simple and basic. That yes, when we do look back on our life, we don't dwell upon it and fixate upon the past. But knowing that the Lord is patient with us, knowing the Lord is kind and tender, that we have repentance for our past actions, hand them over to God, and that he forgives us of our sins and we can pursue him and thus make straight the paths of salvation and pursue him with, uh, you know, this kind of totality of who we are. So I think it, it it's the beginning of the gospel, Mark, but it comes in the, um, you know, kind of halfway through the um, Advent season, but it's always to remind us that, like, it's not as complicated as it is. And to, to see that the Lord has ushered us into a new a new, uh, a new aspect of his his relationship with his people as god and it's he's bringing it into this final final stage in a sense
1: all right well with that thanks for tuning in to this uh to this week's lexio for the second sunday in advent uh we will we'll close out with the prayer after communion in just a second but before we do uh our kind of Normal appeal, asking you to to share this episode with somebody who you think might enjoy it or benefit from it. To uh, you know, comment, like, like the podcast. These sorts of things help us uh, get the word out uh, on the God's Planning podcast. Another addition here to our announcements is that we have recently. Um, got a Patreon account up and running. So if you're interested in supporting the podcast, uh, that would be awesome. That would be really great. Uh, You can just go to patreon.com slash And there are different levels for um, different membership levels for monthly donations, anywhere from, $5 Five dollars, all the way up to ten million dollars. So, if you're feeling so moved during the Advent season to give a little to support, all that money goes straight into the podcast to help grow and um, get us out of, you know, a, a sort of cave recording session, so that maybe we can look like, decently like we're in the 21st century. So, thank you, for, uh, you know, thank you in advance for that. And as always, we are praying for you, especially during this Advent season, praying for your loved ones and your intentions. Uh, so, please do pray for us too. So. Let's close with a prayer, and uh, that'll be that for today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Replenished by the food of spiritual nourishment, we humbly beseech you, O Lord, that through our partaking in this mystery, you may teach us to judge wisely the things of earth and hold firm to the things of heaven. Through Christ our Lord, Amen. amen. All right, well, thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, take care, and God bless. Thanks for listening to God's Planning,
2: a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.